Welcome to the early July edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On our show, I'll be joined by Villanova's Jay Wright, who will be an assistant coach on the USA Basketball Olympic team under Greg Popovich in Tokyo, Japan. Certainly not what he thought he was getting into when he signed up to be an assistant coach. Obviously, the Olympics will be under strict health and safety protocols. But nonetheless, he's looking forward to leading Team USA to a potential gold medal. Jay and I also broke down name, image, and likeness, an update on Villanova's roster, of course, the health of Colin Gillespie, the draft status of Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I was in Chicago a couple of weeks ago for the Combine, talked to him, and Jay Wright's Hall of Fame honor. He'll be inducted into the Hall of Fame in September. Later on in the podcast, I'll have my top five head coaches who I think could be next in line for the Hall of Fame. But the biggest news so far at this taping here in early July is certainly name, image, and likeness. The legislation that was passed on a temporary basis to coordinate with five states that were ready to start allowing athletes to cash in on their name, image, and likeness. This all happened on July 1st. I spoke with NCAA President Mark Emmert for our NCAA Social Series. You can, of course, hear from him if you go to ncaa.org slash social series. All of them are archived there. We talked about How this came about, what's next, uh, the hope for permanent legislation either by Congress or through the traditional NCAA legislative process. Uh, I personally think this was a long time coming. It's the right thing to do. I think we'll see an initial wave of deals. But then as the season progresses in all the sports, it's going to come down to how the players play. They're still going to need to perform at a high level to secure deals. There will be an initial early rush But that will settle down. I'm also a big believer that student athletes needed to have the ability to do camps related to their sport. For example, my daughter's a theater major at Northwestern. Um, She could go and have her name attached to Northwestern and go teach music or dance or acting. But a player on the Northwestern basketball team couldn't. That has changed. You can use your name. Now, you can't use the Northwestern logo as an example. And there are guardrails. If a school is a Nike school, they do not want you being sponsored by Adidas. So that makes sense. Obviously, you have to have some restrictions. I know there are others out there that think there should be none. But there always are restrictions in anything. Coaches, can't if they're sponsored by Nike, they don't go out and wear Adidas shoes. So the same thing will be happening for athletes. There will be some entities that they can't do. In talking to a couple of people out West, they reference BYU, for example. You know, if you go to BYU, there are certain products, alcohol, tobacco, that you would not be endorsing because you're at BYU. So you know that. So there will be parameters. Like it or not, if you go to School X, School X has some guidelines. So we're going to see that. I think things will settle down to some degree once we go through this initial wave. But what will change is how students start cashing in after a big performance. Kate Cunningham, he goes for 40, 45. Jalen Suggs hits a game-winning shot in the national semifinals. A gymnast has an unbelievable floor routine, goes viral. They'll cash in off of that. So the 2022 men's and women's basketball tournaments will be a great test case to see as it progresses how sponsorship then happens off of that. There were some Roster moves over the last couple of weeks that were significant. EJ Liddell is back at Ohio State. Dwayne Washington staying in the draft. Miles McBride, and by the way, Ohio State will be a Big Ten title contender. Miles McBride, gone from West Virginia. Joe Wieskamp, done at Iowa. Devontae Jones, a scoring guard from Coastal Carolina. He's out of the draft. He will join Michigan. Miller Kopp, a transfer from Northwestern, will join Indiana as expected. Colin Castleton, former Michigan center, played in Florida last season. 
he's returning to Florida. And as we say, there's going to be more names uh, that make their final decisions because the uh, deadline to withdraw from the NBA draft was July 7th, July 19th, the official date to withdraw from the NBA draft, which will be held on July 29th. Next year, expected to return to late June, combine in May. Everything was pushed back a month. Also, Eric Ayala is returning to Maryland. Daryl Marcel going to Marquette. And Purdue is looking like maybe the best team in the Big Ten here in the offseason. Travion Williams is back. And Jaden Ivey doing great things for Team USA in the U19 event in Latvia. Zach Eady doing the same for Team Canada. The Gavit Games, the Big Ten ACC Challenge matchups. Gavit Games between the Big Ten and Big East. Those were all announced, which gives us great optimism that we're going to have a normal, full, regular season beginning in November. And once that 21-22 season starts, Villanova will be considered one of the national title contenders. So here's my interview with Jay Wright. And welcome, everyone, to an off-season March Madness chat here in March Madness 365. Pleased to be joined by the future, soon-to-be, Hall of Famer, Jay Wright from Villanova, getting ready to go off to Tokyo for the Olympics to be an assistant coach on the men's basketball team with Greg Popovich, the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs. A lot to unpack here, Jay. First off, what's the prep like getting ready for Tokyo? Well, it's been a really interesting run trying to put the team together. You know, there's the NBA seasons going on. You got guys with injuries. You've got guys coming into free agency. So it's been amazing to be a, a small part and watch Jerry Colangelo and Sean Ford and Pop put this together. And we're excited about the team we have. So in terms of getting ready to go there, because obviously there was a lot of discussion whether the Olympics were even going to happen. At one point, Jay, as you know, we were behind the rest of the world. Now we have passed the rest of the world as a country in terms of vaccination. Japan still is not caught up to us in terms of that. So it's going to be pretty locked down, not a, quote, normal Olympic experience. What have they told you about how to prepare for what you're going to experience? What will not be a traditional Olympic village type deal. Yeah, it is going to be a lot different. We're going to be a lot more secluded than obviously at normal Olympics. Probably a lifestyle more like what we were going through during the pandemic, you know, eating our meals together, uh, not being out amongst the other athletes. It just goes to show how dedicated these Olympians are that are going to do this. You know, we're testing every day in our preparations in Las Vegas, as we uh, practice to prepare for the Olympics, are going to be the same way, preparing us for that situation when we get to Tokyo. Jay, I'm just curious. I was with you down in the bubble, obviously talked to you during the tournament, during the season. I don't know. I'm just thinking psychologically, like, just for myself, it's weird not wearing a mask in a lot of situations now, but now I'm starting to get used to it. What's it like, you know, where you probably have experienced going out and recruiting here a little bit? And not having to wear a mask and then having to go right back to sort of what we all sort of were, you know, that sort of angst reading feeling, you know, during the season. You're absolutely right. It's something that I've thought about. And I know the guys that have chosen to play, it's really impressive that they're doing that because it almost is like going back into the bubble. We've all been through it and we've gotten through it. Like you said, you know, the NSA tournament, we were we were there. You know, in Indianapolis, that was a bizarre tournament experience. And I think it's going to be the same in Tokyo. So we are going back in. I just think that playing ball and representing our country means so much to us that that supersedes any angst that would be going back into a bubble. I know you're very close with your family, and that's part of the Olympic experience, bringing everyone. You can't do that. You couldn't do that, like you just said, in Indy, down in the Mohegan Sun. Not that it's good that you've experienced it, but at least knowing that you've been through something like that, where you're going to sort of have to fly solo, does that help at all? 
it's really one of the toughest aspects more than going back into a bubble is that, that not being around your family. And, you know, one of the reasons I was excited about being a part of the Olympic team was my family would see the Olympics for the first time and see Tokyo. And like it always happens in coaches' families, the family always takes the brunt of it. You know, the coach is out there doing his thing. And I really do feel bad for my family that they're not going to be able to experience this. And all the families of the team members, you know, everyone's going to have to sacrifice again to make this happen. The other thing, Jay, that I know Mike Krzyzewski has said that while he was never an NBA head coach, this sort of whet his appetite of being able to experience NBA players. You've been very adamant. I know you a long time that, you know, like this is where you are. But this also allows you to be around the NBA player, to be around the best in the world without necessarily having to give up your day job. You know, how, how much do you look at that as well, that you're getting to experience all of it? You're exactly right. And I have talked to Mike about that. And Mike was gracious enough to have me a part of his preparation for a lot of the World Cup teams and Olympic teams he had. And watching him with the pros was amazing. Because And now being with Pop, and watching how seamless it is for pop because they all have the same terminology. It makes me even more impressed with what Mike did as a college coach. You know, I was impressed when he was doing it, but now that I'm removed and I'm watching pop and these guys, you know, they know each other, they have NBA terminology. It really makes what Mike Krzyzewski did even more impressive. But as you said, I mean, you're living with these guys, you know, the summer before, you know, we had the world cup and we went, for 40 days, you know, and, and you're, you're with the NBA guys and this is your team and the NBA coaches. So you do get a great taste of it. And it's awesome. And it's a totally different coaching experience. Those players are so committed. They have such high basketball IQs and they're so talented. It's completely different than college. And, and I do feel blessed that I, I do get that experience. And, and it does quench my uh, thirst to work with those great players. All right. So look, I don't have to tell you this. We've talked countless times, everyone else has about the Villanova culture, but I cannot tell you how impressed I am when I come across you guys at this stage in their career and lives. So I was in Chicago, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, you know, and it's not scripted. Everything he says sounds correct uh, <laughs> and from the heart and it's genuine and just ready for the next step. I'm not saying you can't have a one and done, but these players are ready for the next step in life. Saw it with Jalen Brunson, you know, Dante DiVincenzo could go down the list. So where do you see Jeremiah Robinson Earl in this draft and what could be ahead for him? Well, you've pinpointed our criteria with our players and it's trying to have them prepared for the NBA. So when they get there, they can be effective right away. And we, we try to talk to them about that, even in the recruiting process that, you know, we want you to go to the NBA and we want you to go as fast as you can, but we want you to be ready skill-wise, emotionally, maturity-wise. We want you to have a successful career. And it makes me, I was happy that you sent me your interview with him because, you know, that was kind of the first one I saw of Jeremiah as a pro, really. And I can't say I was surprised, but I was very proud and impressed because, you know, he probably could have gone the year before. He's a really mature, intelligent guy. He was probably ready off the court. He needed some skill work to be continued to, to be developed for another year. 
I think he's ready. As you know, talking with him emotionally, maturity wise, he's ready. But his skill level is such now that he shoots the ball. His decision making is extremely effective now. I, I think he's ready to be an NBA player that can come in and help a team right away. Well, and, and as you know, it's one thing to get picked. It's another to stick. And, you know, a lot of these players, you know, not someone like me, but a lot of these players can get picked. The question, of course, is can they stick? You know, I talked to him about Colin Gillespie. I've seen his progress just from afar. Uh, you're on the ground, obviously. How far away is he? He's looking great. You know, as you and I talk now, at you know, in the morning, we, we've already had our morning practice. He's He's out there doing everything with us now except live play. And we're just being very cautious. He looks really good. And as we talked about Jeremiah, I mean, he was probably ready. He was ready for the NBA, but he just didn't want to go into the NBA injured. And he fortunately, because the NCAA gave these guys an opportunity, he had an opportunity to come back so that he can go into the NBA healthy. But, you know, if he didn't have this opportunity, I think he was ready. But, you know, he chose to do his rehab here and go into the NBA next year as a healthy, even more experienced player. All right. So transfer portal, you've lost a couple guys. Obviously, you know, every program has lost some, gained some. You know, I love the fact that, you know, like a Swider, Quinterly, like there's no bad blood. You know, you got to do what you got to do. You got to move on. Uh, and you've done a great job like others have in that. Just overall, though, your thoughts on where we are, how much this is maybe just because of the perfect storm that the number was a crazy high because of COVID, because of the extra year, and really because of the first time on a one-time transfer. Yeah, I think this is a, a one-off year. And, and not to say that this still isn't going to be a really hot market, you know, the, the transfer market. But, you know, as you mentioned for us, sometimes it, it just happens. Like Javon Quinterly, it wasn't that he couldn't fit here. He would have been good here, but there was places where he was going to be better. And it obviously showed this year. We were It was kind of cool in the bubble. We got to hang out with him in Indianapolis and he was great. MVP of the SEC tournament. He's found the perfect spot. That's what it's all about for these kids, you know? That's the positive of the transfer portal. And Cole Swider, you know, if Colin Gillespie and Jermaine, he wasn't counting on those guys coming back for another year, you know? If they didn't come back, he, he would have been fine. So we're, you know, we miss him because we love him. But it's a good opportunity for him. And I think eventually, it might take a year or two, but that's what it's going to come down to. I think you know, there's a lot of kids that are looking at situations where they might have to go Division Two because they left Division One spots and there aren't any openings left. So I think after a year or two, and as you mentioned, with COVID, guys coming back this year, the transfer portal has exploded. I think it will gradually meet a level that it turns out for kids that are not in good situations to find a better situation. And I think it'll be okay going forward. I, I don't think it'll be this crazy. All right, so obviously you're going to be in Tokyo, but what are your quick thoughts on recruiting coming back after a two-year hiatus in July? Well, you know, we were just out for the last two weekends watching the high school events, and uh, I mean, you never saw guys so happy to be in a gym and and and, and seeing each other and hanging out and, uh, you know, being in, we were in Philadelphia in a hot, sweaty gym and, and happy as hell. I think everybody is appreciating. It's kind of like the players were during this season, you know, they'd come to practice just so grateful to not be in their dorms, you know, locked in a room. I think it's the same thing this summer. Everybody's so appreciative and grateful to be out. And, you know, we all made some decisions during COVID in recruiting based on video. And now that we're out again, 
we all realize how important it is to get our eyes on guys, see all the things, not just watching video, you know, watch what they do between plays, watch the reaction to referees, watch their reaction to their teammates on the bench, their coaches. It's so valuable. So I know everyone's really fired up about this July. How much will life change with name, image, and likeness? You know, similar to the transfer portal, Andy, I think it's going to be explosive early. You know, I think there's, we're going to see a lot of good, a lot of bad. It's such a new world to all of us. I think in a couple of years, it'll settle in, but I think it's going to be a new world for the next couple of years, just as we all learn to deal with it. We're preparing here. As a matter of fact, we're here in Pennsylvania, might come out with their own law in the next day or two. So we're all going to have to learn about that. But generally, you know, here we, we want to provide every opportunity for our players that we can and, and to still have them focused on being the best players and the best students and the best young men they can be. So how do we fit that into this new NIL world? We're going to figure it out. The crazy thing is I'm going to be in Las Vegas when this hits and probably Tokyo when we start getting our, our first opportunities. So our staff is well-versed and ready to go. All right. No Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, one more year. How does that affect college basketball? I think, uh, you know, it'll affect their programs for the first year or two slightly. But I think what we all know, I think Mike knows and Roy and, and, and we all do in coaching that um, we're blessed to be at great institutions that have great tradition and that we all are, um, you know, in a position that it's our time to take on that great responsibility. Now, what we do with it and, and what Mike's done <laughs> And Duke's incredible, and and what Roy did with Carolina is incredible. But I think both of them have. If you see how they've done it. You know, they've kept their family intact. They've kept that tradition intact. And both Roy and Mike's philosophies are going to play through their former players. You know, and and I think both those programs are going to be in great shape. So we're gonna we're gonna miss two great men, really, two great leaders in our coaching profession. You know, as I think about it, Andy. I mean, I, it's probably going to affect the leadership in our coaching profession more than the game of college basketball because both of those guys were not just about Duke and Carolina. They were about the game of basketball. They were about college basketball, and they contributed in a great way. That's what we're going to miss the most. Had you guys stayed healthy, good chance you could have gotten to the Final Four and who knows won it. You guys gave Baylor a heck of a game. So all things being equal, if you are healthy, what are the chances that next season's Villanova team could be a Final Four team and win it all. If we're healthy, we have a shot. We do. I think our guys and, and everybody in our program understands how fragile it is and the path to getting to a Final Four. We've been through it enough to know there's years where we probably had teams that were good enough to get to a Final Four. We didn't. We know the teams that we didn't think we were going to get to a Final Four. We did. So um, we we know it's it's a long haul, but we know we got a shot. All right. In the fall, Hall of Fame comes calling. It's been an unbelievable run. Two national championships, maybe more coming. I'm just curious, when you, you knew it was a possibility, but when you actually hear it, what's the raw reaction? Very emotional. Even though you know you're going to get a call, they're going to tell you either yes or no. You know it's coming. And Jerry Colangelo was the one that called me, so I, I have a great affinity for him. We have a great relationship. So it was kind of a special moment. You know, it was special for him to be able to tell me. It was special for me to hear it. So I was very emotional. It still hasn't sunk in. We had that weekend up there at Mohegan Sun and then at 
Springfield where they announce you and they inducted the previous class. So you're in the middle of it. It overwhelms you. But then you come home and you just you go back to your day to day. So you don't think about it. So I'm sure it'll be the same in September. It'll be overwhelming. I can't tell you, honestly, I, I've come to grips with this yet, Andy. I'm just also curious because I know your family with Patty and the kids just when it was just you guys, because they have been in, as invested way back. Just curious what they felt as well or a group hug or what have you. You're exactly right. You know, your your family goes through the worst of it, you know, and they and they are really the reason that, that makes you get there, especially your wife, my wife, Patty. Well, the early Villanova days. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's, it's, it's a group hug and it's just like, wow, can you believe we're here? And the funny thing is they... They always treat me like I'm I'm the the scrub in the family. So then then you just go about normal life, and I got to go take the trash out. Well, Jay, please be safe. Have a great time, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you when you come back from Tokyo with hopefully a gold medal. Thanks, buddy. I hope so, man. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. All right, for Katz ranks my list of the next five coaches whom I think should be in the Hall of Fame. Bob Huggins, West Virginia, phenomenal career at Akron, little blip at K-State, obviously took Cincinnati to a Final Four, and West Virginia took them to a Final Four. Mark Few, what he's done in the last 20 years at Gonzaga, two national championship games, that's gonna go down as one of the best coaching jobs ever. John Beeline, his career was remarkable, notably at West Virginia and Michigan. He coached in two national championship games. Like Few, losing those, he lost his in 13 to Louisville, 18 to Villanova, few 17 to Carolina, and 21 to Baylor. Bo Ryan, national championship 2015, loss to Duke. That was after they knocked off undefeated Kentucky. Previous year in 2014, got to the Final Four, lost to Kentucky on a buzzer beater, essentially. Late possession three. So Bo Ryan deserves it. And was a great Division Three coach, national championship Division Three coach. And my fifth guy, who I think will get a strong look, if not next year, the year after, Gene Cady. He dominated Purdue basketball for decades, beginning in the 80s and 90s. Rival with Bob Knight, Lou Henson, uh, Gene Cady deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. All five men deserve to be in the Basketball Hall of Fame. All right, that'll wrap up this edition. This early July edition we will be back later in the month with a look ahead to the NBA draft. And we'll break all that down on players uh, that we certainly discussed quite a bit. I think pretty consensus. We know that Kate Cunningham will be the number one draft pick taken by Detroit on July 29th. All right, that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. Appreciate all your engagement, your time. Big shout out to our team. Bleacher Report, of course, our team at Turner Sports, led by Abby Stoltz and Chad Aycock and Michael Kaplan. And our entire team at NCAA.com just does an outstanding job repurposing this podcast. Once again, you've been listening to March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz.